Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. So hey y'all, it's Ren. Happy summer. The last time we were together, you heard from family therapist David Thomas. Oh my goodness, it was like a little mini counseling sesh for me. But I did ask questions that I thought would benefit all of us if you're a parent. So go to my website at wrenrobbins.com to listen to that episode number 137. Today's guest is Katherine Parks. Katherine is a wife and mom to two, an incredible editor and writer. The neat thing is that in early May, I'd been praying about who the Lord wanted to come on the show to share about relationship and friendship health. It was a total God thing, y'all, of how he led me to Catherine, and I wanted to share it with you real quick. So a publishing company sometimes sends me books that they think I'll be interested in. But the amazing part is that I had not visited my post office box since the 1st of March, hello Corona, and it was now May. Just at the time I was asking God to show me who to have on the podcast about relationships, I finally get to the post office with my mask on and I saw a package. And in the package, there were two books. And you guessed it, one of the books was Catherine's and it was called Real, The Surprising Secret to Deeper Relationships. Whoa. So I took Catherine's book home, I dove into it head first, and I was blown away about how she brought the light of the gospel into her book about relationships. And I knew I needed to have Catherine to come on the podcast to share. And she agreed to come on the show. One of the things I love about Catherine is that she points her hearts to Jesus in this conversation. So all that to say, I'm thrilled to bring you some time with Catherine today. Here's our conversation. Well, welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thanks so much. It's so fun to be here. This is so great. I'm excited to have you on. Um, the coolest part about having you on is that I, um, I knew that God wanted me to do this series on health and wellness. Um, however, I really was praying about who God would have me to come on the podcast to talk about friendship and friendship health. And um, this is the coolest thing because the Good Book Company had sent me two different books from um, from their publishing house. And the first one was your book, Real, The Surprising Secret to Deep, Deeper Relationships. And I was like, when I got it, the cool thing is, is it's been sitting in my P.O. box since the 1st of March. Oh my and I didn't go to my P.O. box until the 1st of May. And it was <sighs> like before I would have gotten it and said, oh, that looks like a great book. But then when I got it exactly in May, it was like, God was like, this, I had just been praying about, Lord, who do you want me to have on the podcast to talk about relationships? And your book literally came out of the package. And I was like, mm. ah, it was a God thing. And then I did my research. I started reading it. I have now finished it. And it was such a great book. So anyway, that's how I came. We, we kind of got connected and we have a yeah. mutual friend, Caroline Saunders. And so that's how we, how we're on the podcast together. So thank you yeah. so much for coming on. 
No, it's so fun. I love that story. That's so sweet of the Lord to do that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And then we just realized we grew up in the same church together. So this is like so crazy. Like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to ask my parents if they know your parents and all the things. So so exciting. Small world. It's such a small world. Okay, well, let's jump in. Before uh, we start, I I wanted to see if you would introduce yourself to my listeners and tell a little bit about your family and kind of what your day to day life looks like. Yeah. So, um, I am married to Eric and we are coming up on 15 years of marriage. We've lived in Nashville the whole time and, um, have seen the city grow a lot and seen, you know, us grow up from babies. We got married in our early twenties and we have two kids. Our daughter is 12 and our son is nine. And, uh, we have done all sorts of schooling homeschool and public school and public magnet school and, you know, kind of been all over the place. And like a lot of America are trying to figure out what school looks like for this fall. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Totally unpredictable, but uh, you know, right now the day to day looks like um, all of us trying to survive in our house. My husband is still working from home. I do some work from home editing and writing. And so we're, I'm trying to come up with fun things to get the kids out of the house because it feels like we've already had like three months of summer. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) trying to figure out how do you keep summer fun when Mm -hmm. you've been doing it for so long. (laughs) Um, so we're doing a lot of hiking and, um, you know, just different fun things like that. So that's kind of a a snapshot. We're involved in a church uh, in Franklin, Tennessee that we've been part of for um, almost five years. And my husband's an elder there. And, um, and so that's our community here. Okay. That's great. Well, and you mentioned writing and editing and you are a beautiful writer. I am reading the second book you've written right now. And uh, the first one is the one we're going to talk about today about uh, it's called real about relationships, but I'm also reading empowered. No, not empowered. That's the girl one. I'm reading strong. That is uh, 11 great men. Uh, They're influential men. And uh, I love it. I know it is for uh, young adults or boys and Mm -hmm. my son is seven. So I'm reading it to him right now, but eventually he will be able to read it himself, but I'm reading it ahead of him. We just got finished with Alvin York and that's the first biography that you wrote about, but it's, it's, it's so good. And I recommended empowered to a friend of mine. She has girls or she's a a, a little girl and she's going to start that. So she's ordered that. And, um, but anyway, you are, and you have a lot of things in the works. I know I saw your Insta stories yesterday where you have um, a chapter in a couple new books coming out as well. Yeah. And so you, you are a beautiful writer. And so I'm excited about all the things. I mean, we are being able to find you many, many places and many different resources. So I'm excited about that. Thanks for that encouragement. Yeah. It's been fun to, um, you know, I think with, with any vocation, you kind of figure your own interests out as you go along and those things ebb and flow. And, um, really the, the biography books were so fun for me because I love research and kind of nerding out on learning as much as I can about certain topics. And so really getting to read 20 plus biographies Mm. over the course of a year was a dream come true. So Mm. I love reading it too. It's really good. 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 Well, I'm trying to figure out how can I keep doing, like, how can I make Mm. money 
yeah. reading more. <laughs> Doing the research. Who wants to pay for that? Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's so good. Well, you're a gifted writer and I'm so excited. And I want to know kind of just in a couple minutes, what started you on the path to writing this book real? Several years ago, I was part of a kind of a cohort of women teaching a local Bible study. And uh, I was tasked with teaching on Psalm 51 and kind of doing a deep dive into the topic of repentance. And the Lord just taught me so much through that. You know, when you're teaching something, you learn way more than you have the ability to even communicate to others in a short amount of time. And, um, and he, he did just a lot of work in my own heart about what does true repentance look like and what is the role of confession in our relationships. And, um, you know, when James talks about confessing our sins to one another, what does that mean? And, um, and so it, there was that kind of theological side of things going on. And then on the flip side, I had a couple of friendships where I was learning a lot about my own, um, reticence to open up and to be honest about my failings and, um, just my own insecurity coming out. And so it was kind of like the two things were converging to show me these things fit together. Our need for relationships where we can be open and honest um, is meant to drive us to the foot of the cross. It's meant to make us into people who remind each other that we need grace and, um, and just the beauty of, of, what happened as I went through some of those experiences with friends of realizing I need to open up. And once I started doing that with a friend, I also started doing it with the Lord and I started doing it with my husband and, um, and just felt like, you know, I don't have to pretend like I have it all together. And I don't think I would have ever said I'm pretending like I have it all together. You know, I think we hear that and we're like, well, that's not me, Mm. but practically Mm -hmm. I, I thought people need me but I don't need people, (laughs) which is so prideful to hear me say it, but it's like, I need to be that strong person in the relationship that someone can come to. Mm. Um, but that was a very one-sided relationship, you know, it's more of like a counseling relationship than an actual friendship. And so, Mm. um, what the Lord did was show me, like, I can't have true friendships with people if I'm not willing to meet them with my own needs and my own, um, sin and be honest about it. Absolutely. I totally relate to that. Totally Mm. relate to that. I think I've gone through a journey of that and I still am walking through it of, of showing that vulnerable side. And it's just, um, so prideful. I I struggle with that. I really do. And so God has taught me that. So when I was reading it, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is me. This is me. Mm. For many years, I would not open up. And just until recently, I would say in the last year, Mm -hmm. I've really absolutely opened up, but it's, it's, it didn't happen until then for sure. Yeah. Good. Well, it's painful to realize that. Oh yes. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Um, but I mean, what sin is, you know, so I want to, I want to go into, uh, your book. And I want to read you a quote that you read, you wrote, and I told you earlier, I had like four picked out, but I cannot report. We don't have time for that, but I do have this one that, um, you were talking about how to find the deeper relationships you were looking for. And that, um, you said it didn't come in the way you expected that it wasn't managing other people's perception, 
perceptions of you. It wasn't about learning to love yourself either. Instead, the secret to deeper relationships was simply in learning to be real. Yes, real with myself. Yes, real with others. But most fundamentally, real with God. There's so much joy and freedom to be found in honest relationship with him. For me, that meant developing an often neglected biblical habit, repentance. Instead of hiding my flaws or trying to love myself in spite of them, I regularly bring them to the one who can take care of them completely. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me a little bit about what you, you were feeling during that uh, time when you were writing. Yeah, so I grew up um, with a family that really prioritized uh, asking forgiveness, confessing sin. Um, You know, my brother and I had a nightly ritual of kind of like going through a laundry list of things that we had done against each other because we were taught, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger, don't have any kind of conflict. Uh, And so that was a regular rhythm in our home. But I don't know that I ever really thought about my sin being primarily against God and, you know, his laws and the good life that he has laid out for us. And when you look at something like Psalm 51, I mean, David is confessing his sin and it doesn't mean that there wasn't brokenness that needed to be repaired with other people, but there, his sin is primarily before God. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I've had to learn and I think people learn it in all different ways. For me, I learned the most about this through parenting um, because there was a a good chunk of time where I would go to bed, um, particularly when my kids were much smaller, and I would just lie in bed and cry thinking about how I had failed and how I wasn't the kind of mother they needed me to be and, you know, making a plan, a practical plan for what I was going to do better the next day. And, um, I just remember having someone tell me, you know, that this isn't what God requires of you. Um, and just recognizing, I don't need to say I didn't do anything wrong or, you know, nobody's perfect or, or make these excuses, but if it's truly sin, then I can confess that to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness, knowing that he's already given it to me. And I can also um, ask for his help to turn from that and ask for the spirit's leading, you know, and prompting and ask for wisdom in how to, to parent differently, but it doesn't all rely on me. And that was a, just a comfort to me to know, like I can hit the bed at night, not saying, well, I did the best I could, but saying, you know, I did, I messed up in this way and that way, Lord, please forgive me and please help me. And knowing like in that moment, I've experienced his complete forgiveness, total grace, his unconditional love, all the things that my own children need. And I can also point my kids to him knowing like me being or presenting myself to them as a perfect mom is not what they need. They need to know mom messes up but she goes to Jesus. Right. When I mess up, I need to go to Jesus. And so I think in some ways that's where the the building blocks were laid for me learning about the importance of repentance and um and that that's what we need to give to each other in friendships and in relationships. And we have this tendency, I think um I don't think every woman has this, but I definitely do where it's like if someone 
is brave enough to confess something to me, my tendency is to make excuses for them and say, mm. you know, um, and one of the things I talk about in real is this idea of give yourself grace and how we've really cheapened that word grace, because if we're making excuses for each other, then what we're giving each other is not grace. We're denying each other the grace that we need. You know, grace mm. is something that God can give us, but we're saying you didn't do anything wrong or it's not a big deal. And there is so much joy that comes on the other side of repentance and on the other side of confession and, um, and just a beautiful relationship that builds there with our father. But when we make excuses for each other, we're saying you don't need that grace. And so, um, my hope is that the Lord is gradually refining me into being the kind of friend who can point my friends to the grace that they need and have them do the same for me. But it takes a little bit of courage to do that because we want to say, and we want to hear you're fine. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. And we know that, but it's just so much easier to say it. Yeah. Well, and even just even like a text or something or to calling from our friend and saying, you know, I totally messed up today and I feel awful. And then you usually, yeah, our first response is, Oh, give yourself grace or, mm -hmm. you know, it's okay, you know, yeah. cause, but no that's, that's not right. But that's not really giving them Jesus, yeah. you know, that's not, and, and it's hard. Like you said, it takes courage. So how do you do that in a, like in a practical sense, how do you do that? If somebody says, Hey, I messed up today. Um, I feel like the worst mom, I'm the worst mom ever, worst mom ever reward. What mm -hmm. would you say to her? You know, like if somebody texted you that, what would be a, a gracious way to point her back to Jesus? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a, a part of that where, I mean, it's, it's totally good to say, okay, let's be realistic. You're not the worst mom ever, you know, right. and to, to speak yeah. truth into that. Um, but also just just to point each other to truth and say, you know, your kids, like, like I said, your kids are seeing your weakness and they're seeing your failure. And the best thing that any of us can do is, is show each other that, but show each other, like, I, I, I messed up, you know, our kids need to hear us apologize and ask their forgiveness. And they need to hear us, um, talk about how we need God's forgiveness and, and so I think seeing those things, none of us want to hurt our kids. None of us want to sin in our relationships. Um, but seeing how God redeems those things and, and pointing each other to that opportunity for redemption, I think is maybe all we can do in those situations. I like that. I think that's great. How do our relationships and our vulnerability in relationships, how does that relate or how does our spiritual lives and the friendships that we cultivate, how does that correlate? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, the Proverbs talk about how um, iron sharpens iron and how friends sharpen each other. And so the, the beauty of God's plan for his church is that, you know, we're not individuals just going at it alone, um, but he's given us community and I think we've seen during this time with the coronavirus just how much we need each other. And um, I think some of us, and, and we can talk about this more later, but I think some of us have seen that we, our um, natural bent is to kind of rec be reclusive, you know, to kind of pull back from relationship. And that has been a real struggle for me during this time. And so just recognizing, um, 
community is something that God has given us for a reason. He knew that we couldn't do this on our own, that we would need each other. And so recognizing like friendship isn't just the thing that gets us through, you know, the day or the week or the year. It's something that God designed to push us, to sharpen us, to brush off those rough edges and to help us draw near to him and um, to conform us to the image of Christ. Like he gave us community for that purpose. Um, I think friends, when we have done the hard work of building those trusting relationships built on the cross built on Christ and our mutual love for him, then friends have the opportunity to speak truth to us and to point us to, um, to, to kind of talk about just hard things, you know? And I think that's something that particularly right now is really difficult in our society to have conversations with any kind of nuance where we're not yelling at each other um, or canceling each other, but where we can with love approach each other and, you know, have that foundation in place so that we can say hard things to each other. And then I think friends are there just to bring joy. You know, the Lord has given us, um, the beauty of relationships, whether it's friendships or marriage or, you know, um, with our children or with coworkers or all of these things, he's given us those things, not just so we can be super serious, but it's, it's joy. And that comes from the Trinity, you know, the relationship from eternity past of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit dwelling in mutual love and joy and relationship and the fact that he created us with that inherent desire for those things is just really beautiful. And I think, you know, we can't take it so seriously that we can't just have fun with our friends. Absolutely. And I love that. I know I wasn't, I said I wasn't going to quote you again, but you were talking and I remembered a quote you said. I was like, I got to turn to it. You were, um, quoting someone else, but then you were talking about connection and you said, we don't just desire it. We actually need it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we've all during this time of quarantine that we realize we desperately need connection. And, you know, and maybe that was a wake up call for us to see, you know, online and with your phone is okay for a time but it cannot replace in-person contact with your friends and that vulnerability that you share. And so um, I remember my husband a couple of weeks ago was like, I think right now we need to put your emotional mental health ahead of, you know, the risk of getting sick or whatever going out. And that's when I called a friend up and I was like, okay, I can do a, I can do a patio. I can do the patio. Mm -hmm. I'm over my fear enough to do that. But, um, then we did. And then I did it with the next friend the next week. And so, I think connection, it's just like you said, we don't desire, we don't just desire it. We need it. We need mm-hmm. it. And so I love that you said that um, in your book as well. Yeah. Well, and I think some people recognize the need a little bit easier than others, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I don't always recognize it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because it could be vulnerable and could be, you know, and I, I, I like to be like at home at the beginning, I was like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't like this, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, Ren, but those friendships, those, um, relationships are not what they should be, you know, but yeah. at the beginning I was totally like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm well, good. it, re- <laughs> it revealed a lot of selfishness in me. I think, um, I think I had this assumption that it would make me crave relationships more to be a part and not be able to have that. But, um, 
but I, I kind of found this dark side of it where I was just like, I think I'm good. Never talk. Like I didn't want to return texts and I didn't want Mm -hmm. to jump on another zoom call. And you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it showed the limitation, like you're saying of technology, but it also showed, um, kind of my selfishness and my also allure of like self-sufficiency that I think I can manage on my own. And, um, I, I, yeah, I've just been really sad about some of that and convicted by it. So mm. well, you can write a book you- on something, but you still have a lot to learn about. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. What are some practical tips that we as women can nurture those friendships and maybe mm-hmm. after we are kind of doing the re-entry um, and re-entering each other's lives in person, but do you have any practical tips about this? Yeah. So I, I've been thinking a, a little bit about this and um, one of the first things I thought about is just for this particular time, I think having flexibility is really important. Um, we are just kind of all over the place with you know, whether it's because of where we live and how much our state is opening up or what we tend to navigate toward news wise. And, you know, I think we can be thinking totally different things about what's safe and what's real and, Mm -hmm. um, and what we need. And so, you know, it may be that, you know, you have a friend who hasn't seen anyone. She lives alone and she hasn't had a hug in months. And so maybe it's getting out of the comfort zone a little bit and saying, you know, my own fear is not as important in this moment as being there for this friend who I, I can do a patio with her, like you're saying, and um, just be there to make that connection. And it may be that, you know, you think about the mom with young kids who hasn't been alone in months. She hasn't been able to have a babysitter. And, and what she needs is maybe someone to come say, you know what, I'm going to sit outside with your kids and watch them for an hour while you just go do whatever. Um, and so finding ways to be flexible and be creative and to help meet each other's practical needs in this moment, I think, um, because I think there's also going to be some awkwardness, you know, we, our church has started meeting again outside at a farm property that we have. And I was really excited to go, but I realized like, I don't, I'm not good at talking anymore. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to talk and not to say too much. And it just is a very weird thing when you haven't had that in-person social Mm -hmm. interaction for months, which is so bizarre. And I didn't expect. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I think some of it is like, you can't jump right into some of the serious stuff when we haven't laid this foundation Mm -hmm. for a while, you know, and maybe we've kept up with things on zoom, um, or through text or whatever, but it's not the same. Right. Right. Um, and so another tip would be like, as you're able do something fun, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a friend and I just went mountain biking the other day and it was, um, very low contact, but it was just something that we could do and share together. Or, you know, we've done some float trips on a river and, um, hiking different things. And, and not everyone is in a place where you can do that, but I think creating new memories with each other is helpful to, um, just kind of restore some normalcy to things. Mm -hmm. Um, so on a very practical level, like just doing things to really build that relationship back up, that maybe has been lacking or has just felt weird for a while. And then 
I think just being able to listen well. And one of the key things about learning to be a good friend is learning to ask good questions and then to listen to the answers. And so, you know, I heard someone say, we've all experienced the same thing, but we've experienced it very differently over the past several months. Mm. And so having that in mind, the way that I have processed and dealt with everything that's happening may be totally different than this person over here. And so not assuming that we're starting at the same place, but just being able to listen and, um, and to ask questions like, how are you mentally? How are you physically right now? Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you've dealt with things emotionally during all of this? And, um, kind of understanding where we're both coming from in the way that we've processed everything, I think is, is important and helpful and, um, gets to some of the heart of things. And then asking like, do you feel close to the Lord? I think a lot of us thought when all of this started, I'm going to have so much time and I yeah. am going to be in the word so much and spend so much time in prayer and I'm going to memorize whole books of the Bible and, <laughs> <laughs> and almost to a person, the people that I've talked to about this have been like, yeah, no, it hasn't <laughs> happened at all. And I think some of that, I mean, we just didn't know what yeah. this was going to be like and how exhausting it was going to be in a lot of ways, but being able to just have that conversation and, um, you know, I think when you have already done the work or you're doing the work to make it a safe relationship, then you can ask that question. And it's obvious that this is being asked in love, not in judgment. There's no condemnation, mm. but just how can I pray for you right now? You know, that's just, it's a simple question, but I think it opens the doors to so many good, um, vulnerable things that we can, can say to each other or even saying, Hey, being willing to go first. And that's one of the keys is saying, I've struggled in this way. Can you pray for me? Um, mm. And, and when we're willing to go first, then usually the other person, you know, eventually, um, when you read them real, it took me a long time to get there, to be willing to be vulnerable, but, but being willing to open the door to say, you know, this, it hasn't been normal. It hasn't been easy. And I don't think any of us are in the place where we thought we would be, um, at this moment in time. And so let's pray for each other in that. Mm, I love that because then that's, that's a, a great step to being vulnerable is saying, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? I mean, I think that is a great, great first step. And those are mm -hmm. excellent, excellent practical tips of what, you know, uh, mm -hmm. where do we go from here? What's the next step? So I love that. I did giggle a little bit when you were talking about being socially awkward. I sang on Voxer. Okay. I sang happy birthday to the wrong friend the other day. <laughs> And I was like, um, okay, I feel like I need a lesson on how to not be socially awkward. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so bless her. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it was, you know, in the middle, I was like, it's not your birthday. Your birthday was a couple months ago. I'm just now remembering that. Okay, never mind. Love you. Bye. I mean, it was oh just my like, gosh. so, you know, yeah, we've got to, we got to just be okay with the social awkwardness for a while when yes. we get back in, in, in person. I mean, it's and just, that it's, probably made your friends so happy to hear oh, that and she laugh. She could not stop. Yes. She said <laughs> I was such joy, the joy of her day. So, uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming on, but I wanted to ask you before I have, um, one more question for you, um, our eat, read, love, but before we do, can you share where people can find you and maybe what uh, resources you have out there? Yeah. So, um, I have a 
rarely updated blog <laughs> at <laughs> cathparks.com, C-A-T-H parks.com. And that's also my handle on Instagram and Twitter, um, cathparks. And uh, I do some writing here and there. Um, I do a lot of work for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, the ERLC, um, doing some writing for them. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Strong and Empowered and uh, recently contributed to a couple of books. One is called 12 Faithful Women, and it's produced by the Gospel Coalition and Crossway Books, and it's um, just 12 chapter-length biographies. And so I had the honor of writing about Esther on Kim, who's one of my heroes. And then uh, Beautifully Distinct is a book that the um, Good Book Company put out. And I think it would be a really good one for people to grab to kind of start having those conversations with friends or even read it with a friend. Um, it provides a lot of good conversation pieces dealing with everything from beauty and the world standards of beauty to um, racism to how do we think critically about the movies that we're watching. You know, just some of these things that we need to be women who are thinking hard about and thinking biblically about the things that we're encountering in culture. That's great. And are those out? You said they're coming out? They're both out now. So Wonderful. yeah, they just recently released. Yeah. Okay. You'll have to send me the links for those. We'll put those yeah, in the for show sure. notes for sure. Okay. Well, let me jump to our last question. Eat, read, love. What are you eating, reading, and loving? So my sister-in-law, who is my best friend or one of my best friends, she lives in India. And so we have been doing a lot of, um, Indian food. My kids and I got to go over there a couple of years ago and, and they, my kids really enjoyed eating the different food there. So, um, so we make a lot of different Indian dishes at home in the instant pot, which I love. So um, been enjoying that. Um, I am currently rereading A Gentleman in Moscow, uh, which is just kind of a light, pleasant read, but it's about a man in Russia who lives out um, the rest of his life after he's like, uh, early thirties in a hotel. So it's a really good quarantine read because oh, okay. <laughs> you see this man who's trying to be creative and enjoy life, uh, in a confined space. Um, and then uh, what was the other one? Uh, what do you love in these days? Oh, love. Yes. Um, so I've always wanted to consider myself an outdoorsy person, but have never really been one. <laughs> okay. So, the lack of opportunity to go places has meant doing a lot of hiking and exploring around Tennessee, which has been really fun. So I feel like I'm finally living up to my own idea of myself. And, and so the kids and I especially have been able to do a lot of outdoorsy things. So. Well, I saw on your Instagram uh, that you had, y'all went hiking and I was like, it was beautiful. So um, yeah, there's so many great spots. And I think mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of friends who have done that in different places where it's like, we can't go anywhere except yeah. camping or doing these things. <laughs> now I'm, we're not campers, but maybe yeah. we'll get there. Yeah, I tried that and no, <laughs> so, but hiking that looks, that looks very fun and going and exploring outside. So yeah, it's been a good time. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. This was so good. And I love your book so much and our books. I'll say that there's a plural, uh, but I'm real excited that we got to talk about friendship and relationships and see the cross of Christ in that. And so I appreciate you talking with me today. This was so great. Thank you so much, Ren. Thanks for doing this series. I think it's, it's really a great idea. Very encouraging. 
Oh my goodness, I love talking with Catherine. Thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I'll see you next time when I chat with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is a medical doctor and will be sharing about her own burnout with being busy. She shares seven types of rest, and I'll just tell you right now, I did not look at my notes the entire time of our conversation until the very end. That's how well our conversation flowed. So stick around for that next Friday. Okay, that's going to do it today, but would you help me out with something? I would love for you to go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a five-star rating for the Friends of a Feather podcast. And if you really want to make my day, go leave a two-sentence review. Thank you for doing that. I haven't hugged a friend in months, besides my family. So here I am sending you a big, big, huge virtual bear hug right now. (laughs) Awkward. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friend.